Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. You know how developer relations is really hard to measure? And we've had lots of guests on this podcast talking about the problems of measurement, proving to your management that you can actually make a difference. Well, my guest today, Joe Peterson, I think might have cracked this. Joe uses a metric he calls developer engagement, and it works like this. You count the number of developers in your prospect that have already heard of you. That is pretty neat. At banked.com, Joe's company, their sales process is developer enabled. That means that developers represent the nope faction in that they can kill deals. And one of the things Joe does with his developer relations activity is get developers to say yes. If that's the type of product you're selling, this interview is for you. Joe, welcome. Welcome to the Fireside Voxie podcast. I'm so delighted to have you here. Um, you work for bank.com. You have a developer portal. Um, First of all, start out by telling us what is bank.com and why do developers matter to you guys? No, oh, it's great to be here, Richard. Um, Bank is it's one of those one of those businesses that has maybe a, a, a somewhat ambitious mission for the thing it's set for itself. In that we want to build a payment network. So when you think about a payment network, you probably think of Visa or Mastercard. Um, but we want to ask ourselves the question to say, all right, well. What would happen if, well, how would you build those businesses if you started them in 2023? What assumptions would you throw away? What kind of meta architecture from a product point of view would you get rid of? I mean, for example, you certainly wouldn't put tens of billions of little bits of plastic in people's pockets. No, no. no. Um, But how would you do that and what would you do? And the reason we ask that is that, and the, re- the reason we, we think it's valuable to answer that question is because merchants are looking for new answers. The, the economics, the kind of fundamental economics of 2 3% transaction fees on payments just aren't viable anymore. And so we need to ask, sort of some, we think, some pretty fundamental questions about how you build a payment network. And to do that, the technology is now available. For example, we, work, we use open banking in Europe. We use a different set of technologies in the US, a different set in Australia, another set in Europe. So the idea is that we provide a sort of a global abstraction on top of a new way of people paying for things. Um, and about why developers are important, like the the Stripe in many ways taught the payments industry many, many different yes. things. Yes, they did. Um, many things. But one of the most important lessons is the value of developers in the payments ecosystem the the how advantageous and strategic and valuable it can be to focus on developer experience to have a technology product and um an ecosystem that is not something that makes developers shiver at night oh, or uh, oh yes. yeah um actually helps them do their job effectively help gives them a set of tools and resources and everything else in order to be able to do um, everything they need to do as quickly and as easily and as um, in a high quality way as possible. And just for those uh, who did not experience the world before Stripe, I, I have PTSD from 
trying to integrate a payment credit card payment provider. Oh, uh, this is probably about 15 years ago where I have to personally calculate the encryption hash from a list of fields. And if you got it wrong, it just didn't work. And there's no yeah. way to de debug it. No way to debug and, it. And uh, payments are complicated enough with the way we look at it. And yeah. Like what we don't want to do is to have to introduce all of that additional complexity to a developer who's been asked to do something, right? Who's been, uh, who's taken this task on themselves. And as I said, we're not a card network, we're not Stripe. Um, but ultimately that lesson that um, whether it be part of the sales process, the implementation process or, or anything else, that if you think about developers, if they're a core customer of yours, if you try and do everything you can to build the best product for them, it's going to have a huge impact on your business. And it's just going to be a ubiquitously positive thing. Absolutely. So can I focus on bank.com's business for a minute, just to understand it a little bit deeper? Uh, so one of the issues that I ran into running a SaaS platform is uh, billing, right? And there's a whole bunch of issues around subscriptions. But then there's also a whole bunch of issues around uh, European Union VAT. And then... Uh, all sorts of weird rules for India and all sorts of stuff. Do you guys help with that? Is that part of what you do? Fundamentally, Bank's business is about effectively making the best way to convert a customer to a yeah. payment. That's kind of the heart of what we do. So if you'd imagine like the typical scenario, you've gone onto a website, you're going to buy a pair of, going to buy a pair of trainers. Um, you've got the trainers is in your cart and then you're looking at that paywall that really intimidating thing that exists now where there's maybe 40 buttons that you can choose in order to pay yeah. for your thing yeah. our goal as a business is to try and get you that consumer through that funnel as effectively as cheaply and as um <clears throat> excuse me and in, in a timely enough way that it does the best by the merch and so right so Rather than you clicking a card where a merchant may pay 2%, you click something like banked and you pay 0.1%, right? So yeah. you can imagine where a, where a merchant has a huge incentive to try and uh, incentivize you to go down that path um, as part of that journey. So, oh, for sure, for sure. And I believe the American, American payments are ACH and all that are completely nuts. I mean, I think in Europe, oh, yeah. we, we, we sort of, we're sort of kind of okay, but... US no, are, are like banked is a hugely sorry, um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, the US is a hugely strategic market for banked, and as a kind of a European person, who, I've been in payments for a while, so I know a little bit about it. But like, even with that experience coming from Europe and looking at the US, it's it's quite extraordinary how how large the payments market is, but also quite how um, old fashioned it is in certain ways, like. There are hundreds of millions of checks printed every year in the US, for example. And if you live in Europe, I can't remember the last time I, was, I, I saw a check or I used a check. So just that as an example is kind of, yeah, there's a huge amount of uh, like ground to run into. Okay. So given that your, your business is the core financial business, and you think this, this is going to be business that's done by old guys, in suits and cigar smoking, cigar filled rooms, right? Uh, but yet, it turns out that developer experience has been core to your business. It really has. It really has. And more like, actually, like we think about it in in quite a structured way because one of the things that we realized very early on 
is the material quantifiable impact that great developer experience has on our ability to sell our product. Like a great example of this is that a couple of years ago, we were um, part of a, well, we were brought in quite late to a process where one of our um, customers were going to go with one of our competitors and um, we were brought in quite late in the process and they basically were like, all right, well, we spent about six weeks implementing a demo with um, this other business. And it's been a bit of a struggle for us. It hasn't been clear. The developers have struggled. Um, and then so they took our product and our demo and they implemented one in about, I think it was about three hours in total. So ah, lovely. They, lovely. being able to go from like six weeks from one to three hours to another. <clears throat> and that thing almost by itself won us that deal. Because um, what they saw was a business that kind of cared about them right because that's a there's a huge I, I think like the, there's a great there's a great um relationship between great developer experience and empathy in a product yes. because yes. ultimately if you're gonna if if you're not gonna care about the people who most intimately use your product then I, I'm not sure it says the right thing about how a business thinks about its users or how it values them and their time. And so that was a big part of us winning that deal. And like it literally, like a great developer experience and the investments we made led directly to revenue. And since then, we've been able to put really kind of real metrics and um, focus on developer experience because the company has this institutional knowledge and institutional experience of how important it is for our but commercial where that, process. Where does that come from? Are, are you all techies or is it, is it some insight that, that the leadership had or what? I think uh, I think it's technology people um, uh, being part of the sales process and being a valuable part mm. of it myself and others and being able to advocate for it as an important component i think it's a part of the attitude of the founders of understanding they're not technology people they'd be the first people to admit but their understanding and the grasp the great grasp they have of the value of technology in payments and the role it can play i think finally is just like we've got the numbers right like we've we've closed deals Customers have said to us, the reason I closed the deal was X. It was developer experience and technology and others. And that goes a really long way, right? Like it's it's really easy to convince a skeptical commercial person or salesperson about the value of developer experience when their customers tell them it's valuable. And I think that's a thing that um that's a thing that's been a huge part of Banked's uh, experience. Yeah, I, I and I think that just to unpack this a little bit. Because in the, in the developer relations world, people are kind of struggling with its, its place in the marketing and sales cycle. Um, and a lot of people are under pressure to, you know, to be very metrics-driven, but very marketing metrics-driven in terms of eyeballs. And it feels like the, the real insight here is that the place of developer relations, the developer experience is a little bit further down in terms of uh, Opening the floodgates of the deal, right? They don't, they don't, they don't find the deal, but they make sure it doesn't get blocked. Absolutely. So, uh, it's like, one of the things that was most insightful for us is very early on in the business, we thought about what is the, how do our deals work? What are the activities that happen in them? And I'm sure any technology person um, um, will recognize what I'm about to describe, where 
you can imagine the buyer of a payment product like ours is typically not a technology role, right? It could be a, a finance role or a product role or something else. Um, but what happens is, is that they get excited about it. They become enthused about this deal and potentially want to explore it. And then they send a Slack message to a CTO or an engineering manager or a dev lead. And they're like, hey, we're talking to these folks about onboarding them as a payment method. Can you like just spend 15 minutes looking at them? Like, is there is their documentation vaguely sensible? Is um is their product coherent? Like, is there any concerns that you have? And that idea of this kind of lightweight due diligence that technology people do as part of the process is where you can have some of the most leverage with developer experience and developer relations. Because A, hopefully, if you take those very seriously, you've thought about what that person values, right? So when they look at your docs, when they look at your or your sort of ecosystem, they they recognize and the sort of the lightning fork is struck for them recognizing somebody who takes what they do seriously and thinks about it. But also talk about one of the metrics, Richard, is we like what's really important to us is the and the metric we we measure is the percentage of technology people that exist at our customers or prospective customers who have heard of banked before we talk to them. So uh, yeah, just, I love it. I love it. Yeah. So like if you're the person on the end of that Slack message, if I'm hey, I'm the I'm the head of payments at this particular business, I send you a message, you're like, yeah, oh no, I know banked. Yeah, yeah. I I um read read an article about them. I listened to somebody from Bent on a podcast. I've uh, I, I'm aware of one of their open source projects. The the attitude that you have as part of that and the relationship you have to that business fundamentally changes. And so when we think about it, like it's often that. It's very difficult for us to attribute new deals to technology people simply because they're not the decision makers for our yeah. product, for the products they are. But what we see is that technology people are critical for stopping deals, right? Yeah. They're critical yeah. for, like, if 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 you got that Slack message, Richard, and you looked at our website and you were like, what are these guys doing? They've got no idea what they're talking about. Their docs are awful. This is going to take yeah, me forever. Yeah, nope factor, right? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They're, they're like they're actively insulting to my intelligence. Whatever it is, yeah. like you saying no, we can't do this. That's a real blocker to a deal. So our ability to be able to influence you to say yes, right? So yes, barring some other things in a deeper investigation, this company looks like they know what they're doing, and they look like something that's ergonomic for me and my team. Like that's really valuable, and that's that part of that process is what we structure a bunch of our technology engagement around. So you you may have I'm quite serious about this. You may have solved the metrics question in developer relations because it's such a huge topic, and people struggle with it so much. But your metric is the number of developers that know about you already exactly. before you engage. So it, what, it could literally just be, oh, I think I've heard that name before. Yeah. Right, all the way up to yes, I'm actively involved in following this business and their success and their technology. Now, the reason that's a good measure is because uh, you don't move the needle on that number by generating tons and tons of, of eyeball content, right? You don't generate that by doing loads of cheesy things. The only way, because developers talk to each other and they, they tell each other about cool stuff. The only real way you move that metric is by uh, valuable community involvement, by having really good developer experience um, by showing that you care, that you have empathy with developers. 
uh, and it gets it's such a good metric because it it achieves the core business goal, which is it gets the deal over the line. Absolutely, and like um, bluntly, like the reason the only reason we do developer experience and developer relations is because it has a positive impact on revenue. Right, like, yeah, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> the only reason we do it, the only reason I can stand in front of our CFO and explain to her why I'm going to make these investments is because I can actually draw a very, very like quantifiable line between every dollar we spend and every dollar we make, right? Yeah. And like that's the core of it. And like, if you have that established and you have buy-in and you have metrics, then like you don't tend to have conversations around, well, why are we doing this? Because it becomes clear to everyone and they can really I, see the value. I, I, I'll, I'll give you a little bit more structure around this. So your business, I would characterize in, in the sort of DevRel lingo is a developer-enabled business, which means that you're not selling to developers, but developers enable the, the business to happen. And there's other companies that will be developer-first, right, where... It's a. It's actually a developer product, and developers are key to making the buying decision. But that's a much smaller part of the market because most businesses are not about coding, right? They're not about cloud services. They're about stuff in in the real world, like what you guys do. So most people in this space are struggling in a developer enabled context and finding it very hard to prove their value within the organization. Um, and you guys, you you're doing an amazing job of it uh so you may have cracked you may have cracked the puzzle i think <laughs> but i think the thing that you've touched on before is that one of the things that when you look out into the community at the moment you see a lot of businesses who are in some ways like kind of pulling back from investing in developer experience and developer relations right there's been some like some like awful news about layoffs mm. and this kind of yeah. Right, like it's a reality, and I, 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 I know I, I in my network I have lots of people in those businesses, and like the message you consistently get back is exactly what you just described there, right? Is like these developer enabled businesses that have struggled to be able to do two things for me. One is to articulate the kind of quantifiable impact to have those metrics right that they track but then also to have buy-in that those metrics are valuable because that second one for me is really important right because as a cto i can get up on my i can get up on my box and i can shout about how valuable it is to convince developers as part of the kind of sales process but unless our chief growth officer buys that and is bought into it Unless our CEO, our CFO, our COO buys in, buys into that, and are willing to stand behind it, it doesn't matter. And I think that that's the thing that I—it's a personal lesson I've learned—is that the openness and the focus and the support of the founders, in my example, and the wider leadership team, has been really critical for this. Like without them standing behind this and being like, "No, I completely buy this. I don't need to be convinced." Almost, I don't think we'd have got to the place where we are right now. It needs to be very cross-functional, doesn't it, in the organization? And the the other question that that then kind of triggers for me is: Does it need to rest on uh, an account-based marketing strategy for the firm as a whole? I think I think it does. Well, well let me put this right. in in the context of banked and the type of business that banked is and wants to build. I think it does. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, just because, like, in our business, we are um, like salespeople call it whale hunting, right? In that our our 
sort of our, our, our deal flow is about high value, low volume deals, right? So gotcha. Gotcha. 10 very large deals every year rather than a thousand much smaller deals. And so account-based marketing is really critical for that kind of end-to-end deal flow and that and that idea. And actually, one of the things that we see is that what that also enables us to do from a developer from a developer point of view is to really focus our resources in the right places. We could say, all right, well, okay, if that metric's important to us of the number of technology people who've heard of us, where are the technology people at the customers who we're trying to go after? Right. So if you're um, if I'm trying to target you, Richard, and your team, where are you? What communities are you involved in? What what do you care about? And actually, how can we start to become involved in those communities so that you see our presence there as beneficial? And hopefully, when we try to do a deal with you, um, it will help the the process yeah. of that deal. Yeah. It's, it's, so this conversation is really great, Joe, because um, yeah, I'm such a coder. I don't have words for these things. Uh, and, and, and with previous guests and previous episodes of this podcast, the word I've used for this stuff is vibe. Does the company give off the right vibe for developers? Uh, but I, I, you're kind of making it a little bit more concrete in terms of how to execute uh, on creating a developer vibe, uh, which is really fascinating. And that's one of the things that I've learned as well is that there's this, <laughs> like, do you remember there was that U.S. Supreme Court decision, I think in the 1990s, that became very famous, where they were asked to rule about whether something was pornography or not. And they came up with that famous quote that was, I know it when I see it. Right, right. And I often think about great developer experience. When you talk to developers, it's a similar thing. Often when you ask developers to be able to, um, enunciate or very clearly say what a great developer experience is they either can't and they end up talking about vibes right like, <laughs> there you go <laughs> well you ask five developers and you get seven answers right yeah. and there's no kind of coherent structure there and ultimately one of the things that i take one of the most valuable things is actually like the, the the role and the value that experienced marketing and PR people, even if they're not from a developer marketing background, can have as part of this process of actually unearthing, well, what are the things that we need to do to um, attract developers to be able to build a good mindset and the good things like an NPS or whatever it is with a bunch of developers? And actually taking the kind of experience of technology people the the that innate sense of what good developer experience is and combining that with people with the experience of unearthing what that is codifying what that is and then scaling it i think is what kind of lies at the heart of doing this very successfully yeah yeah and it does now need to be structured and codified like you say i mean we we, we would have uh, come across each other in, in previous lives where i was uh, I'd founded a consulting company and we were doing all this stuff, but it was organic. It was by feel. We we kind of just Absolutely. knew to do it, but it wasn't it was which all just of, it was all just random. It was fun. Which is one of the reasons why it's so hard to replicate. Yeah. Right. Because uh, your experience there, if like if like it if um, another business comes along and it's like, Richard, please explain to me exactly what it is you've done. I'm sure you could do a great job at that. But if they went and did the precise things that you'd done, they probably wouldn't have been successful. 
right? Because the company you're talking about and the work that you do, like there's such a knowledge and a background and a kind of innate sense of what developers want and what developers look for, that without that knowledge, the kind of the activities that you do as an end result of it aren't, aren't discreetly valuable. Yeah, yeah. But they are becoming important and it's becoming, I think, important in terms of professional execution around developer enabled and developer first companies to be able to do that, right? It's it's, it's effectively an essential marketing skill, perhaps, uh, or, or a function of the business nearly. I, I, I have another question for you before we before we kind of wrap up, because I could just go on for another another hour on this. We might have you back. But how did you end up with these insights and doing the job you're doing? My, so like many, so I've done a bunch of different things. I've worked at kind of uh, various large technology companies, um, like uh, consultancies. I've done a couple of startups myself. But the thing that's been a kind of constant throughout those is that I've built developer tools, right? That's a, now, that could have been I've run platform teams at public cloud businesses, right, where I've built the developer tools for other developers at those businesses. I've done that a couple of times. I've done B2B SaaS businesses where um, uh, developer-enabled might be a bit of a generous way of describing the things that they did. But like throughout all of those, this idea of the 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 the, 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 the people who use our tools, the people who interact with them are developers. And that idea of um, taking that experience, saying, all right, well, what would I want in that context? How could I push that forward? It's kind of a bit at the heart of it. And it's meant that, like, yeah, I've... I, I love building products for developers. I think that like uh, you get to do that amazing thing, which like all good product people do, is that you can build the product that you want yourself. Yes, and, and you it, can, it's amazing, isn't it, to be able to deliver a time when you can do that? Because rewind a little bit, and you know, selling to developers was a dead end. It was that was no way to make money. If like if we'd gone back twenty years and you and I were a, a big payments business and I said I want to build a product that makes it, it like makes life easier for developers, we'd have been laughed out the room. Yeah, right? it's like, yeah, get like, on with well, work weekends, get on with it, whatever. Yeah, it's like well, why are they important? Like yeah. surely, like optimizing for some other person that one of our merchants um, or one of our customers is more important. But now, yeah, that it feels like that, that battle. It's not the battle isn't won. But I think we're making good headway in the other side of coming close to defeat. Oh, well, I mean, I think the the uh, progress of banks.com kind of speaks for itself, really, doesn't it? Um, and there's, there's a lot to take away from how it can accelerate a business. It, no, I think is, so. Yeah, it is, it is absolutely key. I mean, Stripe maybe was the first sort of big name that did it, but... Um, and that has opened the doors for, for others to see how important it is. Completely so. And I think that now you're in a place where, like, you can't be a payments business unless you think about developer experience. Let's just that's, that simple. No, not at all. Like, and I, just, I, wish, I wish it would apply to the um, the rewards business. Um, I, I've had some interactions there with various our cl- clients and interacting with their APIs. And, oh, boy, do they need a KPR side of things. Banks might be able to solve that problem for you. If you're doing oh, payments, we do um, <clears throat> we do rewards and incentives for our payments, and you literally just add a single uh, like value 
and uh, key and value to a JSON object that you send us, and as if by magic, you give rewards to people. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that's just that's. I mean, that, I'm not. I don't want to pick on any specific industry particularly. <laughs> no, no, there's, there's so many. You know, the, 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 there's there's APIs that everybody knows about, like GitHub or whatever, right? Or Stripe. But then there's this long tail of APIs that you know they they really need to think about the developer love because they're just too much work to deal with. Absolutely, absolutely is. And it's often, it, you know, it just needs, as you say, to, to kind of come from a place of empathy for developers. Um, it really does. It really does. It really does. Like someone once explained this to me that, like, um, if you were building tools for carpenters and you shot and you sold them blunt chisels, you probably wouldn't be a business for very long. Right. <laughs> like, 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 uh, like uh, payments particularly has been selling people blunt chisels for about 20 years. And frankly, they've built some extraordinary things with those blunt chisels, but hopefully we can give them some sharp ones in the future. Oh, yes, totally. Uh, long, <laughs> the, the old days of having to actually try and get a merchant account for yourself. My God. Uh, do you... <laughs> I mean, even, even now, right? It's, it's, it's a lot easier than it used to be. Joe, um, I got, I got to have you on again in, in a couple of months or something because there's so much more we could talk about. But this has been super insightful. And I think your North Star metric around developer engagement, that idea, how many people have heard of us already, uh, that is truly insightful. Um, you need to spread the message about that one a little bit, I think. Thank you so much. No problem at all. It was a pleasure. Wonderful. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgeek.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgeek.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgeek. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.